everyone and welcome back to The Extras. My name is Jack. And I'm Raj everyone. Thanks for joining in. Yeah, great to be with all of you and good to be with you Raj. As we, we, got, we got a lot of questions that came in over Sunday which is a wonderful thing. We're always just so keen that people across church are keen to think harder and wrestle deeper. Yeah, so really looking forward to this time together as we go deep into some things. Um, before we get into all that, give us a, a reminder, you know, a few days since Sunday, we were looking at the last of these these freedom uh, passages and talks. Could you remind us, maybe for those of us who weren't here or who, who need a refresher, what were we looking at on, on, at church last Sunday? So last Sunday, third in the series, we are three, um, just being keen, we have this window of discipleship or teaching or reflection, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, and, and so this Sunday was all about using our freedom to serve and... Um, um, that is both a short-term thing, it's a medium-term thing, but it's also a longer-term thing. And and doing that, we really came to Jesus' incredible example. We see it in Philippians 2, many places, but Philippians 2 in particular. Yeah. And just these words, I'm looking at them now. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And he put aside his rights um, in order to lower himself to come into the world and to serve. Mm. And And that is a very challenging deeply challenging you know, yeah um, even to the point of death jack you know, mm. like, it's 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 really interesting yeah a huge challenge i mean this is one of those places where i think paul is just so blunt be like jesus and this is what jesus is like and it's very clear you know you understand what he's saying but man that's a, a tall order uh, and a lot of our questions feel that and we'll be wrestling with uh, what we what we do about that and, and how we seek to under god uh, obey and and grow in all of this uh, so let's get into some of the questions we've had uh, a few kind of just picking up on the passage itself and some of the theological issues here to start with. One person's particularly picking up on, on verse 9 of Philippians 2. Uh, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. This person's asking, why is it that Jesus is exalted and given the high, highest place in this verse? I mean, isn't he already God and, and had the highest place already? What would you yeah. say to that? Thanks, Jack. Look, we, we were talking about this just before we came on, actually, Jack, and mm. I think you just put it really well. That is, there's a difference between Jesus' status as God, which is an eternal kind of thing. He's, he's the creator before the beginning of time. Um, um, that is something that does not change. And yet what did change is he, he willingly decided to take on humanity and lower himself to come and be part of the creation. Mm. And um, that was a very real thing, even though he maintained his status as God, and we keep seeing that through his teaching. Um, he, he lowered himself, he went through all of the cost, the sacrifice, the, um, um, I think I talked about the Garden of Gethsemane just being, for me anyway, that's just the clearest place we see his agony. Yeah. Um, we see him, just a, a whole bunch of things and um, like someone giving childbirth, we looked at that last week in Romans 8, you, you, you know the exhortation that might be coming mm. and the wonderful time that might be coming, but that doesn't take away from the pain, the sacrifice, the cost. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to add to that, Jack? Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I think uh, another verse from a different one of Paul's letters that I think is a similar idea that helps me to kind of understand this a bit. Uh, the start of Romans, Paul's talking about uh, he's the apostle of the gospel of God and he's explaining the gospel, which is the news regarding God's son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David. And here it is, Romans 1 verse 4, and th- who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the resurrection is the moment when Jesus is appointed as the Son of God in power. I think we hear that and think, well, okay, but isn't Jesus 
the, the son of God for all time? You know, why is it that the resurrection is the moment where he's appointed? And I think that this is talking about the, the ministry of Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. There are these particular moments in the, the history of the gospel where Jesus is uh, installed as, as the king, if you like. He's, he's installed as the, the, the rightful Lord of all. I mean, he's always been the rightful Lord of all as God, but, but as a human, as the, the kind of the true Adam, the, the, the man who is meant to rule the creation, it's through the gospel that Jesus is uh, installed and enthroned as the king. And I think you have something similar going on in Philippians. It's because of Jesus' obedience. That is why he is exalted as the Lord, even though he is the Lord for all time. Yeah. And that brings together Old Testament promises, mm. expectations. Um, and we see that also in 1 Corinthians 15 in a slightly different way. And yeah. Yeah. He's the, the one enthroned with yeah, enthroned everything under his feet. Yeah. And the implications for the future mm. of his lordship. And, and anyway, anyway. Yeah, lots going on. You keep going, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's good. All right, uh, question two. Now, someone's picking up particularly on what Paul says in verse 17. Uh, Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. Someone's asked, is there a significance to Paul being poured out like a drink offering rather than being burned like a burnt offering or a grain offering etc yeah why the drink offering language yeah thank you for this question look i i don't necessarily see a theological significance Mm. um but goodness the the image of a drink offering just being poured out that is for me that just goes to the heart you know you i think i talked about it on sunday you just give and you give and you like Mm. bullies and you just you just keep on yeah whereas i think the image of burnt you know there's a there's an ending mm. there's a you burnt out yeah that's sure. not this is this, there's a splitting hairs perhaps jack but, yeah um but the image of just being poured out like a drink offering i just find very striking yeah it is yeah you can, you can see that the pouring out of yourself like there's, there's yeah, something vivid there yeah, yeah and you're spent and you keep going Mm. So I, but that's not in a theological category. That's just in a metaphor, simile, illustration kind yeah, of. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think in the, I mean the, you know, picking up this image from the Levitical sacrifice system from back in Leviticus. I mean, you see there that the drink offering was something that was poured out on top of another offering. So the Israelite brings their their burnt offering or their grain offering, and you kind of pour the wine out on top as the things being burned up. So that's the the drink offering is added on. And yeah. I think you know the language here. It's Paul's being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice of your faith. So he's picking up both the Philippians' sacrifice because as they sacrifice and serve and partner with Paul in the gospel, Paul's kind of like being added on top of them. So I think the particular use of that language here is kind of bringing their two sacrifices together because yeah. it's a partnership thing. The Philippians well, are sacrificed, he's a sacrifice. That's yeah. on top of Jesus' sacrifice mm. earlier on. So I like that. Yeah, I think that's part of the imagery there, yeah. Nice. We'll keep going then. Uh, someone's asked, Hiraj, what is the role of the Spirit in all of this? Given that Paul asks in verse 5, uh, he says, he calls us to have this mind, and this person says, presumably, the renewed mind. Uh, someone's asking, you know, as we continue to work out our salvation, uh, is that, you know, God doing the work in us, like he says in verse 13? Who's doing the work? Is it God? Is it Jesus? Is it the Spirit? Is it us? Yeah. What do we do with all of that? Yeah, thank you. Great question. Um, and thank you for putting it like that, Jack, too. Um, look, I, I think at one level, it's all of the above. It's like, yes, 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 and yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's all of those things. Mm. Um, 
no doubt it is got it's the way it's put for it is you know there's a that's providing a kind of underlying reason mm. verse 13 for it is god who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose yeah so because of god's underlying work through his spirit um uh, in our hearts and in our minds mm. we are enabled to and yet there's also you know it's like it's almost like predestination we're coming back there actually you know right oh, yeah. 10 next week that's but, right but that is not to take away our responsibility there's a Mm. Um, there's an imperative here you know continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling yeah and it's almost like continue to do that with God's help mm. so I I think where is what is the role of the spirit here absolutely crucial yeah um, yeah in, in in the whole thing and I think it's just one of the reasons prayer is so important to mm. just pray for God's help for us but also for each other that God would enable us to continue to work out our salvation, that God would enable us to do everything without grumbling or arguing and so on. Yeah. Um, Can't do it on our own, but it's God who works yeah. it in us and we we work at it. Like it's it's not yeah. it's like it happens without our effort. I mean fear and trembling, like there's a, a very real human component to that too. Yeah. You know, you hear that, you think, well, you know, well, how does that work? Well, I think if that's your question, let me direct you back to our, our three, three-part super special from a couple of weeks ago where Sam and I were really <laughs> wrestling with, yep, God is utterly sovereign. Yes, we are completely responsible. We take those two things together and we hold on to both for dear life because uh, without either, it all falls apart. Um, so yeah, go check that out again if you haven't already. We'll keep coming on. Uh, someone's asked... Uh, Simple question, uh, verse 15, how is this possible to live out? And, and I'll read verse 15 again. So, uh, you know, as we do things without grumbling, the goal is, verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And imagine this person's picking up, look, you know, Paul's saying, be perfect. How do we do that? How's that even possible? Yeah. Well, I should ask you, Jack, because you're perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you all my tips, yeah. Um, Not quite, no. Um, Look, in this world, we're we're, we're not going to be perfect. Mm. And this comes back in the past few weeks. We've had questions about the now and the not yet. Uh, Jesus has come. He's achieved everything for us on the cross. He's risen from the dead. But the full manifestation of that is not going to be worked out until the not yet, mm. until he comes back. So verse 15, I I read that as an, um, an aspirational thing. Yeah. Um, that is something that we keep striving toward. And one of, the, one of the things in the Christian life that many people struggle with that I, I just call, you know, two steps forward, four steps back or... You know, we each have Six steps to the right and, you know, yeah. loop, loop to loop and come back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and look, we all go through that. Now, the Bible, though, doesn't want us to take that reality and take the foot off the accelerator. Mm. There's, an, there's a significant aspiration here that I find just breathtaking because it, this is in the context of, you know, the, it goes on, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life and then as we hold out the word of life Mm. and so people and I put it on Sunday people see that we're different and look at the reason for that so it's trying to be marked out from the world um, for this end shining like stars in the sky and and in in turn that's how we point people to well it's one of the ways in which we point people to Christ yeah Um, so yeah look aspirational Mm. um Never quite going to get there, but 
we shouldn't let, you know, Romans talks about this, you know, shall we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Yeah. And, and yeah. Mm. Yeah, helpful. That language of blameless and pure, I think, is worth thinking a bit on as well. Like, I, I think that we, we look at that and think, oh, sinlessly perfect. And I don't think that's necessarily what that language is always getting at in the Bible. Like, one of the verses I always think about, um, Job chapter 1, verse 1, there was a man from the land of Uz named Job who was blameless and upright. That's how Job gets introduced to us in the Bible. And then you look at Job's life and like, yeah, man, godly guy, you know, huge, devastating things happen in his life, this, these catastrophes, doesn't blame God, doesn't sin with his lips. And yet, as you go on through Job, it's very clear this guy's not perfect. He's yeah. not sinless because the book of Job ends with this huge blast of rebuke from God, kind of humbling him and calling him to, to recant his words. So blameless doesn't mean uh, completely and utterly sinless and perfect, I think. Um, and I think that the context of the verse, as you've shown us in Philippians, it, it points to that as well. Like the, the point is that this is a blamelessness that will be an, a, a you know, wonderful contrast to the godlessness of the world. Um, so yeah, like we, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of growth that's needed and, you know, we are seeking to, to change and, and God, as he works in us, brings that about. Um, but yeah, sinlessness, that won't come till the last day. Absolutely. Well put, Jack. Yeah. Thank you. All right, let's keep going. And we had, uh, there were a number of questions that came in really struck by um, the illustration that you put before us, Raj, thinking about uh, the, the father and the son and the bridge and the, you know, the, um, the, the, the willing sacrificial death. That really struck a chord with some people because we had a number of questions about it. One person's texted in saying, uh, what I thought was wrong with the illustration, you asked us all to think about, you know, what was the problem. What I thought was wrong with the illustration was that the son sacrificed himself, not the father. Surely it's more reasonable that the father would lay down his life for his child. Now, what father would be okay with seeing their son die? Yeah, Good. any, any comments? Yeah, there? well, look, I might throw this one to you too, Jack. Mm. Um, all illustrations have their issues. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm delighted that so many have put so much thought into it. And um, I, I guess if we shift that question around, you know, why, why did... God the Father not lower himself to come into the world. Mm. And that's not a question I've thought about. Let me throw <laughs> that one to you, Jack. Yeah, sure. I've, I've thought about it a little bit. Um, if you want to think a bit deeper on this, is it, I mean, this is really going to the heart of Trinitarian theology in a way, which is a wonderful place to explore. And a book that's really helped me think about that is called The Deep Things of God by a guy called Fred Sanders. And one of his big points in that book is that the shape of, God, as he reveals himself to us as, as triune, is really the same shape as the gospel. So the way God is in himself is the same as the way that God has acted in history to bring about our salvation. So the father sends his son to accomplish the mission of dying for sinners, that we might be united to him and, and brought to, to life. And he sends the spirit into the world to, to dwell in our hearts, to, to grow us to, to be like Jesus, so that one day we will be perfected on the last day. And so the father sends his, his, two, um, his two emissaries, if you like, his, his son and his spirit, who are his, his way of dealing with the world in order to bring about our salvation. Um, why is that the way it is? You know, could the father have come into the world and not the son? You know, could it have been the other way around? I think that the picture that the Bible gives uh, to us is, is the answer is no, that, um, that the, the relationship between the father and the son is, is not symmetrical. Like the father is... The father of the son and the son um, obeys his father and he, he kind of relies on his father in a way that uh, is not true the other way around, I think. So there's these asymmetric ordered relationships in the Trinity 
And that's reflected in the way that God has acted in the world. So the Father has sent the Son, not the other way around. Um, does that mean that, you know, the Father is somehow kind of copping out, like, you know, sending his Son to do the dirty work when, you know, really he's the one who should have? Like, I don't think that's really the way that the Bible puts it to us because the Bible also shows us that Jesus' death is costly to the Father. You know, Romans 8, you know, he who did not spare his own Son, he gladly gave him up for us all, like, a huge uh, price that the, the, the father was willing to pay and not like he forced the son to do it against his will because the son willingly, gladly um, volunteered for the role as well. Yeah, when you when you start to think about this kind of Trinitarian questions, you can ask a lot of, well, what if, like, couldn't it be another way around? And at some point the answer is, well, this is who God is and this is how he's shown himself to us and the way that he's acted in history reflects who he is in himself and, you know, could God be some other way? Well, like, not really, that's just who he is. That's who he's always been. Yeah, I don't know if I have much more to say, but yeah, do you think does that help? I, I think you're absolutely right, Jack. This is the way the Bible presents the Trinitarian relationships to us, and you can add the Spirit into that and the role of the Spirit as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's probably the best. I haven't read the book you've, you've spoken about, but... Put it on your list, it's a good I'll one. I'll put it on my list, <laughs> I'll add it to my list. Nice. Um, and... Yeah, it, look, it's breathtaking. The other thing that occurred mm. to me just as you were talking then is, in fact, the cost to the father of his son dying must have been enormous. Mm. You know, those, I know a few people, very sadly, who have lost children. Yeah. And there is just a grief that is unending. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, don't think it's not costly, yeah. We'll pick up uh, another aspect of this. So someone's asked, you know, I just mentioned, you know, Jesus willingly volunteered. Someone's asked, we know that Jesus willingly gave himself to die. Uh, We see that in the garden the night before that he was in anguish. Uh, In the song, How Great Thou Art, we sing that Jesus gladly died. That sounds at odds with the night before he died. Or does glad just mean that he was willing? You know, not meaning trivial or jolly. Yeah, what do you make of that, Raj? Yeah, thank you. I, I love. I really love this question because mm. it's getting us think very deeply about these terms, glad and willingly, in this yeah. case, and there's connected terms. And I think what we see in Jesus is he went to the cross. Philippians two talks about this. He went to the cross gladly, um, and willingly, and yet at the same time there was an incredible sacrifice. Mm. And and so when this chapter of Philippians two is about us having the same mindset of Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to our service, I think it can be exactly the same. Mm. There's a great, there can be an incredible sacrifice. Paul, he talks about the drink offering, but he keeps pouring out. And yet he did it willingly, he did it gladly. Yeah. And that doesn't take away at all from the sacrifice. Yeah. And that's what we see in Jesus, what we see in Paul. And I also just want to encourage us, we have that opportunity as well. Mm. Um you know, I, I got this email, in fact, just yesterday, just asking if I'll be involved in something and help with something. And, you know, I've looked at my diary and there's all of this stuff, good stuff. Mm. There's a clash. Um, it will be a sacrifice for me to say yes. Yeah. But at the same time, I want to I want to work out a way to make that sacrifice work and, mm. and take that sacrifice and gladly and willingly contribute to this particular thing I've been asked to contribute to. Yeah. Yeah. Helpful, yeah. I think we can have a problem if we think that something being hard and something being good and joyful and enjoyable are opposites. Yeah. Because I don't think they are. I think that the hardest things in life, like, yes, like, you know, I feel like in 
gospel ministry, this is just, you know, the thing all the time. Like so much of what we do is we seek to serve people and care for people. Like it, it takes time. It takes effort. It's tiring. Like, you know, we, we get to the end of ministry and we're tired and we, we've, we've worked. And the world says, well, therefore, that must be, you know, the bad stuff or the, the difficult things. And therefore, you need, I don't know, the other happy things to balance that out and, you know, go and have your your Raj time or whatever it is to kind of counteract that. And, you know, and there's, there's, there's rightness. And, yeah, we need rest. But that's not the same as, you know, needing kind of good to balance the bad. Like the, the things we do that are hard are good. And therefore, there is this deep and, um, you know, abiding, I guess, joy and satisfaction that comes from doing good, even when it's at great cost. And I think that's exactly what Jesus shows us. Um, Hebrews 12 verse 2 is the, the verse that comes to mind for me. So Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Like Jesus on the cross there doing it knowing that this is you know not just good but for his joy like he, he's looking towards the the reward of exaltation of you know glorifying his father and, and with that in mind he's willing to in, endure it and that's i think that's quite a quite a striking verse for us i think we, we look at that and think like really jesus like you did that for your joy like that almost sounds selfish but it's not it's you know it's for our good it's for our salvation and it's for his joy and for the glory of the father and all those things actually work together like they're not at odds yeah those things are all they come yeah. together with the cross. Jack, can I just take this opportunity? It's a slight tangent, but mm. just qualification. I love talking to people on Sundays and after church and engaging with people. And and a few people just talk to me about, you know, their service being very much like this mm. and devoted themselves to a life of service. And and I just this question did come up in one of the congregations, I think, live. Yeah. But I just want to pick up on this, you know, sacrifice and glad service and so on, because I am absolutely sure some people are hearing this as, as I should do more. Mm. And yet there are some people I just want to say, actually, I think you should do less. Yeah. Because it has to be sustainable. Yeah. And um, now the thrust of this passage is not that, you know, it's not, it's not a passage about rest. Yeah, sure. It's a passage about service. So that, that needed to be where the weight was. And I also think, you know, just speaking openly, I think for, for the majority of us, that's where we are. That's what mm. we need to hear. Yeah. But there are some people whose glad service, I just, if I had the opportunity to talk with them, and, and sometimes we do, but we just want to say, look, maybe you should just focus on, you know, a couple of ministries, not 10. Yeah. Um, um, so I, I want to say that. The other thing just, just to say, and we talked about this before, um, I just want to make sure everyone understood my comments about me being down at Balmoral Beach on Saturday, right. you know, my, I was being a bit sarcastic with all of that, you know, yeah. my, my comment oh. about the torturous day I had, it was a delightful day, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. you know, I, I, so I was being sarcastic with yeah. that. Yeah, poor Raj, having poor to spend Raj, the whole day at Balmoral day Beach, and, oh. yeah. and, you know, look, I took my computer, got lots of work done, I did lots of things, but, yeah. but my point was just that it is so, this is the reason for the series, it is so easy for us for the pendulum of freedom to swing too far. Mm. And I was just trying to say, I could just see that, you know, I was getting a coffee at one point, um, and I just saw group after group after group coming to the pavilion for a party, and nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But this also is about balancing up the, the rest and the sustainability, um, and and so, you know, just if I can hold out this just example, when I saw that was the cricket schedule, that's where I had to be, I then was able to incorporate that day, 
lots of stuff done. Also enjoyed myself, mm. but all of that keeps you going. Yeah. Then to serve. That's right. And and now, but that is different. If I was camped down at Balmoral or somewhere else, you know, twenty four six. Because I only work one day a week, being Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that's sarcasm again. In that's case you're not sarcasm. aware. <laughs> um, um, yeah. You know that. Anyway, so sorry. Probably enough said, but I did just mm. want to pick up on the on, on what's in the question is gladly, willingly, but also sacrificially. Yeah. And we're at different points in the spectrum, and we just need to understand and have a right kind of barometer as to where we should be hearing. Yeah, thank you. For, I mean, these are such important comments because I think that as a church, this is one of those issues that can just go under the surface and, and it's really good to bring it out into the light. Like, yes, everything you said, super important. Thank you. All right, more questions. We'll keep going. Uh, moving from kind of the, you know, the passage itself from the theology, uh, got a bunch of questions thinking about how we live this out. One person started off helping us thinking about, um, about rights and that kind of thing, I guess. So, you know, Right, you've used the language, Jesus putting aside his rights, that kind of thing. Someone's asked, are there not circumstances where Christians should protest or argue back? Clearly, if we're instructed by humans to do something which is contrary to the Bible, we should decline in a nice way, argue back. Yeah, what would you say there, Raj? Yeah, thank you, absolutely. I, I tried to make a comment, you know, just to say, you know, grumbling is not saying don't constructively engage. Mm. Um, that's Grumbling is not that, grumbling... I think we all, you know, it's complaining, it's whinging, it's whining, it's, it's, it's grumbling. Yeah. And, and, you know, yes, there are occasions and also in our world, you know, I regularly write to different politicians about different issues and talk to politicians about different issues. Mm. Um, but I do that in a way that where I seek to constructively engage, not grumble. Yeah. It actually, I think grumbling undermines the end you're trying to achieve. Mm. Um, but... You know, and so someone asks you to do something that's contrary to the Bible, I think it's pretty easy to say, look, I'm just not comfortable, you know, to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry about that. And, and one can say that gently, reasonably firmly. Mm. Um, and, and most of the time that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's different to grumbling because mm. what people remember is the grumbling. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. I think there's a pattern in the Bible that um, you see the Apostle Paul very willing to give up his rights, you know, he's the right to be paid as a minister of the gospel, be able to give that up because it will help him preach the gospel in 1 Corinthians 9. But when other people's rights are impacted, that's that's somewhere where you don't back down. I think that there's a difference there. When when we see people in our community oppressed and mistreated, like that's something where you speak up. You, yeah, you protest, you argue back. Um, that's different to kind of asserting my rights. And these are the things I'm entitled to and I'm going to kind of um, whinge and grumble until I get my way. Like, that's very different, I think. So, yes, plenty of situations where we should speak up and speak out for those who, who are made in God's image, who have inherent dignity as human beings, who, who need who need a voice. I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep going on grumbling because this really struck a chord with many of us. Uh, a lot of questions came in about grumbling over the course of Sunday. Uh, some of them we answered in services, but we'll pick up a few here. Someone's asked, in regards to, Raj, you're a very relatable grumbling, cooking dinner for the guests who show up late metaphor, what would be an appropriate reaction or response instead of grumbling? You know, most people would say grumbling is justified in that, in that state. You know, would it be a sin to grumble? And if it is, what's the, what's the better way? Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, this question I, did, I think we did tackle at one of our congregations. And it's interesting, Jack, I, I didn't expect that, you know, somewhat fictitious example to 
strike a chord with so many. <laughs> Illustrations can be so powerful, man. Yeah. Uh, but look, it, I, I'm also not unhappy that, that that's the impact it had because mm. it gets thinking about this. Yeah. So I think on Sunday, the example I gave in response to this question was to pick up the phone and, and say to a, you know, so Jack, I've invited you and you're, you're, you have, you're late or haven't shown up. Jack, is everything okay? Mm. I just, I'm just concerned, just wanted to check, was expecting you. Um, that's okay, I'm not worried about that. Well, if you are worried about that, don't say that. We've got a different line, to be honest. <laughs> but but I yeah. just want to check that you and Katie are okay mm. and that something hasn't come up or or another situation, you know, can I pray for you about this or can I help you or whatever it is. Yeah. Now, I, I just think most of the time the person that hears that is just... Sorry, it's not even just about it being heard. It is expressing and being genuinely concerned for the welfare of someone. Mm. Um, and I think when people see that, a natural response is, you know, oh, Raj, I'm sorry, we're, we're late. This is what happens. Mm. Um, and sometimes there's genuine reason, as we all know. Yeah. And, and when there's an opportunity for that. But if you butt heads, you know, then, well... You didn't invite the person over just to enjoy dinner. It was about their company. And, mm. Yeah. You know. So, look, that's that's just one example that comes to mind. But I wonder if the principle it could be there of going to love and and what is in the best interest of the person, which is exactly what Philippians two is all about. Yeah. Putting aside your own rights um, in order to serve. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so how is it you can serve someone in the situation mm. that presents itself? Yeah, I think that's all really helpful. And maybe to push a little bit further, I think sometimes, you know, seeking the other person's good and serving the other can mean confronting the issue. Like, this doesn't necessarily mean that you never speak up when people wrong you. Um, I think there's something very different between kind of grumbling about the offence and actually kind of trying to constructingly and lovingly deal with it. And that's the kind of the principle Jesus sets out for us in Matthew 18, you know, if your brother or sister sins against you, then you go and talk to them about it. And you say, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the one off this person's late for dinner once, maybe that's a bit extreme, but you know, maybe in a different situation, if someone's in a, you know, really sustained pattern of being late when you want to catch up with your friend, then that's something that over time is quite hurtful. Like it's, it's good for you to lovingly challenge your friend to, to realize actually what you're doing is not good. And it, you know, it's, it's upsetting and it hurts me and I want you to grow to, kind of be more loving as well. There's a way to kind of sit that person down and say, here's what's happened, here's how I feel about it, here's how I'd love to see you grow. That's not grumbling. That's, you know, that's a really loving kind of rebuke and admonishing kind of thing, which is good and which I think we need to do more of in the church. Um, That as opposed to just kind of grumbling about it and just being, you know, simmering away in your own and not actually dealing with with the person. I think it's a very different thing. So there's another kind of constructive avenue to pursue as well. Very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, and... I've seen so many situations where that kind of approach, Jack, mm. you know, I've, I've worked myself up to it because it doesn't come naturally. But yeah. I actually think more often than not, it's been quite helpful mm. for someone. And I've seen it, it's actually loving someone so much to be able to raise something with them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think in times of my life where someone's yeah, I think when you are the person who's thinking about doing that, it's you know it's, it's very countercultural for us, and it's hard, and we balk at that. You know, we don't want to have the hard conversation. But whenever I've been on the receiving end of that, ultimately, I'm just so grateful to God for this person who's been willing to speak up and confront something because I know I know how hard that is. Because when I've been on the other end, it's it's yeah. difficult. So yeah, very grateful when that does happen. So it's a good thing. Yeah. We'll keep going on grumbling. Um, a couple of these questions I think we have kind of tackled already uh, in the things we've said previously. So we'll come on to this one. Uh, how do we grumble without simply, sorry, how do we not grumble uh, without bottling up our emotions? Uh, is there a time and a place to express our frustrations? Or should I have a knowledge of God shape us to never grumble? Yeah. What's the, you know, is the alternative to grumbling just storing it all up and, until you, you know, yeah, explode you. or something? Great question. This takes us back to something earlier actually about the now and the not yet. Mm. You know, we're not, you use the, Technical terms, some will be aware of, sinless perfectionism, mm. um, which, which, so there is a view that in this world we're going to be perfect, we're going to be blameless, we're going to be pure, um, we're going to be sinless. Yeah. Sinless perfectionism. It's not the Bible's view. But it's not the Bible's view. Mm. And, and that is because we're in this world deeply impacted by seeing both the world and us. It's an ongoing journey of transformation mm. um, um, through Jesus and His Spirit. And so what that means in this world is we need to work out ways to cope. Um, and I think that's what this question is pushing us into. How do we cope? Mm. How do we constructively cope, if I yeah. use that term? And so I think um, I think we do need a forum to express. Mm. And I think the first thing that comes to my mind is prayer. Yeah. Um, do not be anxious about anything, Philippians 4, but in all things present your prayers and petitions mm. with thanksgiving to God. Yeah. So, and I just, I love the words with thanksgiving mm. because that just helps us and also the Lord's Prayer structured the same way um, to just put things in perspective. Yeah. So that's the first thing I would, I would just say. The second thing I would say is just to find um, a close friend. It might be a family member. It might be someone else. You know, I think there's a particular close friend I have and we... You know, we're constantly just talking about things in this area where we have struggled. Mm. And we just now have a, a relationship and a way of talking about it where we're both just aware of our sin. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's almost like, oh, Raj, I did this the other day. It really wasn't a very helpful reaction. I should have done this. <laughs> mm. and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so that's all. That is a way of expressing frustration. Yeah. But also a way of trying to help one another have a godly and constructive perspective yeah really helpful yeah. it's good to have a couple of contexts there which are you know whether it's to god or to the trusted friend both are good you know um speaking that out um i think another aspect of it is like this there's, there's a very different thing again between grumbling and and lamenting um yes i think grumbling i mean the, the thing that as i think about it, i think the thing that stands behind it is really this entitlement like we grumble when we think that I deserve better and the world should be different, you know? Like when I'm stuck in traffic and I'm, you know, impatient and I'm grumbling about that, what I'm really saying is I deserve to get to just, you know, fly down this road and get to where I'm going on time. And the fact that it's not like that is this, it's like this this slight that the universe has against me and it, it should be otherwise. Whereas I think a biblical framework is realizing that we ultimately deserve nothing but judgment you know we're all sinners you know it's not like we deserve the world to go well for us we've we've rejected god we've, we've sinned against him we you know anything good that we get in life is a bonus in a sense and that's it's god's gracious gift to us that's undeserved it's always of grace 
And I think if you live in a, a grace-shaped world that's informed by the Bible, then you realize that anything bad that happens, it's, it's not like, oh, my, my life, you know, I deserve better than that. No, I think it, I think we come to God not saying, I deserve more God. Like, why has this happened? I think we come saying, God, this is hard. Like, it's right to say, yes, like, you know, I deserve nothing. I, I'm still grieving. I'm still in pain. I'm still suffering. Bring that to God. And, and you know, with Thanksgiving for the fact that I have a breath at all to even speak about this is, is a gift from God. So, yes, bringing the pain, but also knowing knowing where we, where we stand in the universe, I think, is part of the answer to um, fighting grumbling as well. Excellent. Lots there, isn't there? Lots um, there. Last one on grumbling. Someone's asked... Uh, what are your thoughts on something like sharing prayer points about difficulties in life? Um, how do we make sure that's different to grumbling or complaining? I mean, this is a this is a classic, you know, church problem. I think for us, um, sharing yeah, prayer points. That's that's right. You know, <laughs> prayer points. Um, it, it's possible for them to be gossiped by another name. Sometimes that's an issue. You know, it's possible for them to be grumbling by another name. Yeah. How do we? I mean, this kind of carries on. I guess it's a very practical example. Of how do we think about that? Yeah. Look, I I. It is a classic kind of thing. I, I just think we know the difference mm. more often than not. Yeah. And so if I'm, you know, my friend and I, we regularly, when we talk, we always pray at the end. Mm. Um, there is a trusted relationship that we have. Yeah. And, you know, within that, within the confines of that constructive and helpful relationship, um, that is grounded in the gospel. Mm-hmm. That is an appropriate place to, you know, we're, we're trying to just help and support one another, be godly yeah. Christians and godly Christian leaders and all kinds of things. But that is quite different to, I remember one day I got a random call or message from someone, someone I hadn't talked to in years. And it's, it was almost like they got an inkling that I was going through something or considering I don't know what. I can't mm. remember what, but it was almost like they were fishing for information. Right. And I thought, but it was all, oh, Raj, just wanted to pray for you, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can, you can sanctify the, you know, just what is in the end, curiosity and trying yeah. to mind someone else's business. Yeah. Eh? So, now, don't get me wrong, I, mm. I think, I, I want more people to have those genuine relationships of praying for each other. Yeah. So I'm not saying don't ask that question, but I'm, I, I think there's a sphere of relationships we, mm. we do that with yeah. that is helpful. And I think this is one of the gifts, I've said it in recent weeks, this is one of the gifts the Lord has given us to cope in this world one another. Mm. So use that, use that well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Double. But don't abuse the, if it's a guise for something else, just... Yeah, no, that's wise. Thank you for that. Uh, as we move towards a close, we've got two questions about serving to, to wrap this up. Someone's asked, how should we consider service at times when we may be limited in our ability to serve formally on rosters or teams, you know, if we're sick or caring for children, that kind of thing? Yeah, how can we think about serving in yeah, those circumstances? Thank you, thank you. And look, I just I want to pick up on one word in the question. I really thank whoever's put it in. That's the word rosters. Um, mm. Because sometimes we can equate serving with rosters and I think that's probably even unhelpful mm. and as we talking with Sam about the ministry M of service it's one of the things I think we're going to think more about now don't get me wrong we need some rosters to make things you know work together but yeah 
But I think service goes way beyond rosters. Mm. You know, I, I shared in my opening email, it wasn't about it, the email someone sent me about how can I serve, how can I care for. Yeah. That wasn't a rostered thing at all. Um, and and we all go through periods of sickness, of caring for children, a particular kind of periods in our life. At the moment, you know, Nicole and I, we have a daughter doing the HSC, um, four down, three to go. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Just at this point in time. Yeah. Um, the, so there's different phases where we have to shift things around and how we do it a bit. But mm. I just think the opportunities are endless. Yeah. Having someone over for a meal now, but we can again. Mm. And even just calling someone and, um, you know, Summerfest is an exact topical one for a surgeon surgery at the moment. What can you do to contribute at Summerfest? It might be a small thing. It might be a big thing. It's just, mm. But there's just a whole bunch of things. And, and some of you will be familiar with the term Ministry of the Pew. Yeah, you know, just even coming to church and engaging someone in a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all kinds of things we can do if you're in that situation. At the same time, there was a question I think it was at night church that talked about, um, um, you know, what happens if you're constantly late? How can you serve? And I thought, well, what an interesting question. <laughs> yeah. And my mm. my somewhat cheeky answer to that is was join a welcome team mm. and commit yourself to being early to church. Yeah. And, and try to you know start to so again we you just need to work out where you are on this spectrum and what mm. it is you need to hear and sometimes we're not the best person to work out where we are on the spectrum yeah because our heart wants to justify that's our, right our mind yeah. wants to justify our heart as the thomas cramner saying goes yeah so it can help just to talk to someone else mm. this is what i'm thinking this is where i think i am what, what do you think i need you to be honest with me just yeah very wise yeah thank you last question today what are some ways to instill a community uh sorry let me just pass this question um what are some ways to instill in us as a community that we'd be driven by you know service serving people uh, as opposed to being a church community that seems to lack that this person says speaking from experience from another church which is very generous you know you may well have had experience in our church this could be kind of like you know asking for a friend sort of question um yeah as we think about that us as a community, how do we instill this this desire to serve? Well, look, I I think um, the model and example of people to one another, I think, is inspirational mm. and fascinating. Philippians two, that's what it does with Jesus. Yeah, um, just just the the logic. Partly it's logic, and partly it's just all sown through. The holding up the model of Jesus is something we should have. We should have the mindset of Jesus. Mm. We then see through Paul is emulating his example, and we then see through the Philippians are emulating their example, and all of that is is done to then foster in turn that lever being pulled even more so. Mm. So I just think the more of us at an individual level, I think at a church level, you know, we 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 are talking about serving. We are. It's part of the reason for the restructure, not the only reason, but we do want to focus more on on people serving mm. ministry. Yeah. So Sam is, you know, trying to think more about that, doing a fantastic job, can I say? It's only early days too. No, that's a um, strong start, yeah. Yeah, but there's a corporate kind of thing though. Mm. I think the individual thing of more and more people showing that example, Yeah. Um, I think that that's what becomes infectious over time. Yeah, I think for you as an individual, you know, some of the things that you can do are, as you talk to people at church, you know, one of the things you can talk about is, you know, actually like, you know, this morning I was serving at, 
had fireworks at North Rocks on one of our kids' programs. Just, we just had a ball. Like, it was just a wonderful morning getting to get together with the kids and disciple them. And we just had a great time. I mean, you know, talking up how good it is to, to serve together as God's people in all, in all sorts of ways. I mean, that's just one example. There's masses of things. But having that infectious enthusiasm for doing good for others is something that would be great to, to see yeah, happening. That, that's great, Jack. And, mm. and I will just add to that, be honest as well about sacrifice that might be involved yeah it was an early start you know it was an early start (laughs) yeah saturday night was hard i wasn't you know Mm. i had to be home and in bed by midnight not 2 a.m or you know whatever it is yeah um but the joy Mm. of seeing seeing the fireworks kids and the question i got from the kid that was just Mm. there's nothing like it yeah that's right no that's really helpful yeah that's it. That's a wrap on our questions for today. We had some good ones. Really, I mean, these are these are deep issues, aren't we? We're wrestling with our like our grumbling, our entitlement, um, and yet the wonderful example we have of our Lord Jesus, who pushes us to, to serve and to see others as better than ourselves. That's that's not easy, and it's only by God's work in us that uh, we'll make progress. But it's been wonderful for us to think a bit deeper about it because they're, they're deep issues, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So I just want to thank everyone. The three weeks has been a, a great time from my perspective, and we thought carefully we weren't sure whether it or not and so on mm. but i'm just really glad we did just to help people think in these different ways mm. but jack this week normally you ask me what's coming up but that's this right week, we're coming back into romans 9 to 11 i think romans chapter 10 we are that's and right yourself and sam have been you know leading this series so what are we doing this week yeah i'm very excited to be jumping back into romans so our passage this week we're looking at uh romans 9 verse 30 through to chapter 10 verse 13 so if you want to read ahead that's the chunk to read we are coming on to think about you know we've been you remember a few weeks ago we're talking about you know why are so many of the jewish people not trusting in jesus and paul's first answer that as well god is god who chooses he's always been a god who chooses not all of you know corporate israel were the true spiritual children who were chosen. Uh, as we come on, though, Paul's now starting to ask the question, well, those who have stumbled, those Jewish people who haven't accepted the Messiah, you know, what went wrong? And he doesn't just say, well, God didn't choose them. He talks about how they pursued the righteousness of God the wrong way, how they uh, tried to be right with God as if it were by works, just, you know, working hard, trying to please God, trying to be good enough to be accepted. Um, what we see out in this chapter is really that the, the bar for entry that God sets before us is both impossibly high and scandalously low. Uh, if you want to pursue it by works, you've got to be perfect, and none of us will get there. But really the way that God has set for us to be saved is that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved, uh, and that is a humbling thing uh, to pursue it by faith. So we're going to be thinking about our own hearts and how easily we, we tend to legalism and wanting to prove ourselves and how we're called to, to humbly accept the, the gift that God has given us. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it too, Jack. Um, these are Romans 9 to 11, huge chapters in the Bible, mm. and uh, looking forward to getting back into it and, and can already just see the effort you've been putting into thinking about it. So can hardly wait to get into it this week. But everyone, thank you now for joining us on the Extras podcast, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at church. We're all back, all services now back in person. A great joy. Yeah. Um, we have to wear masks, of course, but we can see. That's right. How good is it to see? Yeah. So, thank all you. All right. God bless. We'll see you Sunday.